and welcome to episode number 186 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Stephen Andrus, Brad Allen. We are going through each and every game on the NFL slate, and Stephen, we are looking here right off of the bat in a game that is happening over in London. It is a game that I don't have anything on here, but if you're a Miami Dolphins fan, you got to be feeling pretty good because Tua Tagovailoa is back under center for this Dolphins team against the Jaguars. It's a total of 47, 47 and a half. Uh, Jacoby Brissett had been absolutely atrocious under center for this Dolphins team. And with that, what you're getting is at least an instant upgrade at the quarterback position was actually, as we know, is the most important position in all of sports. Yeah, Joby, Jacoby Brissett was just horrific, wasn't he? I mean, you and I were talking about that on Slack and Brad and I were talking about it as well. He, he just was not great. Brad was pointing out that he's holding on to the ball too long. So we have a, a matchup grid that we share internally here every week with the key stats and it's you know, their rank is color coordinated. The redder it is, the worse they are. The greener it is, the better they are. This game has so much bad red. It's hilarious. It's just both of these teams are just playing horrific football on both sides, both offensively and defensively, that it's hard for me to trust making a bet in this game. You factor in the travel situation for Miami having to go overseas. Jacksonville's used to it. They do it every year, although it's a new coaching staff this year. But you factor in that. You know, that entire team seems to be just out on Urban Meyer as their leader. Just too many unknowns here. Too much bad football so far this season for me to even want to lay the the three with Miami or to even take the three with Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean, this is a game, Brad. I mean, you know, we had such poor quarterback play out of Jacoby Brissett. But then this whole coaching situation and everything that's going on around the Jacksonville Jaguars, I do honestly wonder what that locker room is like. I do honestly wonder if this team is really bought in to, to what's going on. And so I, with so many question marks, it's very hard for me to want to get down here. I mean, I guess, you know, if someone says you have to play one side, if this was bizarro world and I had to bet this game, no matter what, I'd probably just have to lay the points with the dolphins just on the fact that again, it's, it's at least the franchise isn't falling apart in front of our face, but uh, not something that I'm really interested in total 47 or 47 and a half. Um, yeah, it's a tough one because I, I think probably the best unit in this game is probably the, the Jacksonville offense. Um, you know, they're, they're top half the league by early down success rate. They're top five unit um, in terms of run game, early down success rate. So I think they're, they're doing a lot of things right. They're moving the ball consistently. They've just been poor at executing in the red zone. Um, and then turning it over too often. And, uh, you know, that's, that's rookie growing pains. Um, but that, that is the sort of thing that Trevor Lawrence is, is going to grow out. So I, I do think they're the best unit in this game. But, you know, as you kind of say, do you trust Urban Meyer um, taking this team overseas? Are they going to be focused? You know, we've seen the Jags in the past out at 5 a.m. in Piccadilly nightclubs getting mm-hmm. uh, getting in trouble. So, you know, <laughs> that, that was probably with a stricter regime in charge. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure you can be confident in backing the Jags. Yeah, I think if I had to play a side in this, like I said, I would I'd probably play the Dolphins, just not something I'm incredibly um, confident in. So I think this game will ultimately here's, end up being a pass for me. Yeah, Stephen. 
Yeah, here's the last thing I'll mention too, is that if, if you believe that this line is short with Tua potentially coming back, it's only minus three right now. I think with him in the lineup, it should be a little bit more than that field goal. But just know that they haven't officially activated him yet. So I I can't even think about making a Dolphins bet here until he's actually officially activated. They have technically three weeks to activate him. So it's not necessarily guaranteed that he will be back as we record this on Thursday. Yeah, that's just, yeah, I should, I should just mention that is the, that is the, the thought here is that he was going to be back. I think it's likely, but just, it's not, I can't bet it until he's actually officially back. Right, right, right. Um, Also just of, of note, um, Jacoby Brissett was even, he was limited if that lets you know anything uh, in practice as well. So, uh, he's not even 100% even if, even if it were to go in that direction. Okay, let's talk the Cincinnati Bengals and the Detroit Lions right now. The Bengals are three and a half point. There is a three out there. There's one rogue three. It is juiced pretty heavily, but uh, three and a half seems to be the prevailing number here. Road favorites over the Detroit Lions, a total of 47 and a half to 48. Joe Burrow is supposedly on air quotes here voice rest right now uh he left that he did he did not leave the game actually he was taken to the hospital after the game this past week with a bruised throat that sounds not fun but um is going to be able to go this week he was just on voice rest this week the Bengals had a chance to beat the Packers last week Packers had a chance to beat the Bengals last week finally ends up getting done uh later on by Mason Crosby uh, after missing a couple of kicks as well it was a, a very wild and wacky game that said the Bengals team was able to hang and was able to play with the Packers for the majority of the game here Steven so I, I'm looking at a team in the Lions that has also been pretty feisty now the advanced metrics don't really back up that this team is any good but it is at least a team that uh, you know as as much as we joked in the offseason about Dan Campbell and his philosophy and all the stuff he was saying and all that like they they play hard for this guy for sure yeah I'm, I'm not ruling out the possibility that that Dan the man Campbell just getting emotional at the podium is going to want to make his guys run through a wall for him this week. And, you know, whether that was actual authentic emotion or just the, uh, the two venti cafecitos with two shots of espresso wearing off by the time the post game came, I don't know, but either way, they, they are playing hard for him. So all that being said, though, this number doesn't make sense to me. So this is a bet I made earlier in the week. I laid the three with Cincinnati. I think three and a half would still be a bet for me. And I look at this from a number standpoint and also the matchup standpoint. Let's look at a common opponent that these two teams have had. It's the Detroit Lions and Minnesota was a 10 point home favorite against Detroit. So on a neutral field, they're eight and a half, nine point favorite. This week, Cincinnati's a three and a half point favorite on the road against Detroit. So on a neutral field, they're four and a half or a five point favorite on a neutral. So, you know, whether you followed that or not, the point is that I actually have Cincinnati rated higher than Minnesota. And based on these recent closing numbers, this spread doesn't make any sense to me. So I think they should be a a bigger favorite than minus three, the Bengals. I think they're a solid team. If you look at the matchup, when the Bengals have the ball 16th in DVOA, Detroit's defense 29th in defensive DVOA. 21st in EPA for the Bengals, not great, but Detroit's defense 27th in defensive EPA. Uh, Detroit, 
30th in defensive dropback EPA, 24th in dropback success rate. And now they got to face Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase and company, a very solid passing attack. On top of that, they've lost some of their best defenders in recent weeks on IR for the year. Romeo Aquara at linebacker, cornerback Jeff Okuda, he's out. There are two corners in the nickel rank outside the top 100 out of 115 corners by PFF. So, um, And then offensively, Detroit hasn't been much better either. They've been sloppy, and now Taylor Decker and Frank Ragnow are on IR on their offensive line. So uh, I was happy to get the three. I'd be comfortable laying three and a half as well. But that'd be my stop point. Brad, we have a... We have a team here in the Bengals that certainly on the defensive side of the ball has performed much, much better than we thought that they were going to. I mean, we are we do have five weeks of data now at this point to where we are coming through with a defense that is ranked seventh overall by DBOA, ranked seventh overall by pro football focus. If you look down, their early down success rate is top five in the league as well. Their early down EPA is seventh overall. So while there might be a little bit of noise in there and there might be a little bit of regression as we continue through the course of the season, there are at least some metrics here and there are at least some signs pointing to that this this defense for this Bengals team is not just all smoke and mirrors and that it's actually a, a defense that might be a let's not say where they're at right now a top seven but let's call it you know what if they're a top 12 top 14 with this offense that they've got it's a it's a it's a fairly intriguing team I think uh certainly is now I would say they've they've done those they put up those defensive numbers against the 29th hardest schedule or you know third, third easiest schedule so when they play a real offense we we you know I think they're probably one that we can get against but they're probably not playing a real offense this week um you know the the lines again no, they're not yeah, we we spoke about the Lions last week. Um, you know, they're losing what talent they had on offense with with the center Frank Ragnell going out. Uh, Pene Sewell was playing progressively worse each week. It seems in like he's giving up five pressures a game or so the last three games. Uh, they lost their second wide receiver Quintez Cephas, so that they're down to like. Daryl Hodge is their top wide out at the minute. Like there is at, the cupboard is absolutely bare on the offensive side of the ball, um, and so. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing a Bengals team which can shut down bad offences and I'm seeing a really bad offence and I'm seeing a team total for the Lions at 20.5. Um, and I like, you know, even like even if they're fully healthy, that I'm not sure they're reaching that, but they, they've literally got, they've got nothing left on offence. Um, so I thought mm. that was possibly the best look in this game. Um, other side of the ball, just quickly before I pass on, I, I would say the Bengals, they, they've kind of underperformed and it, I think it's the same old story. They, they've got <laughs> good wideouts and, and a good quarterback who's, who's maybe lacking kind of elite arm strength. So, he, you know, he can he can throw deep when he's got a nice pocket. Um, and, you know, but the Packers got precious lot got pressure last week and the Packers aren't a good defense. They, they got three sacks. They're in his face a few times. But again, the Lions dead last in the NFL in, in um, pressure rate and, and pass, pass rush win rate. So I, I do think the Bengals will, will score this week. But um, yeah, I'd like to isolate yeah, the matchup on the other side of the ball. Yeah, I uh, I did. I also played Cincinnati at three here. Uh, I laid the three 
it's just kind of a prove it to me. I mean, you know, prove it to me that this defense is is fake, right? That this defense isn't for real. And if you're going to prove it to me against the Detroit Lions, then I deserve to lose this bet. If that's where they finally get exposed is against the Detroit Lions, then so be it. And I was wrong and I will go ahead and, and I'll just wear it. But, you know, I've, I've watched these games pretty closely because I was I was going into the season looking at the Bengals as a team that I was going to be betting on strictly because I thought that they had the offense that would always leave the back door open. I didn't expect we'd have them favorites, you know, or three point dogs to the Packers and things like that going on, uh, you know, six weeks into the season here. But here we are with this team. And honestly, I think that they are. I think they're better than a field goal, better than this than this Lions team pretty much every time they play each other. And so uh, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I think that there is some realness to these advanced metrics that we're looking at here. And I think that this defense is going to be able to hold up over the course of the season. They spent a ton of money. That's the other thing about this. This isn't the defense from last year. So many people weighing in their priors and numbers from last season and things like they went out and spent a ton of money and draft capital on this defense to improve it and to improve it quickly. And so to see this type of improvement, while it might not hold up that they're the seventh best defense in all the NFL, they don't really have to be as long as they can be the 12th, 13th, 14th best defense, as opposed to the 27th best defense, which is what we had for the majority of the last three seasons with this team. I think that there is a, a really, really big upside here with that offense that they've got as well. So yes, I also laid the three prove it to me lions that you are better than I think you are. Kansas City Chiefs at the Washington football team. It has it is ticked down to six and a half. So this thing was at seven in favor of the Chiefs. It is now six and a half. It is under that field. It is under that touchdown. 56 or 56 and a half is your total. Of course, the Chiefs coming off of that public public shaming basically against the bills. <laughs> the only way to put it, I mean, just a complete and utter beat down in front of the world where everybody was watching and could not get anything done whatsoever to stop that bills offense from running up and down the field in. Uh, now they hit the road heading over to Washington to play Taylor Heineke and the Washington football team. Brad, I'll start with you here. Um, I have a play in this one. It's a teaser leg for me. I think that this is a little, and again, I thought this number was going to go on the other side of the touchdown, not come back the other way. So I was on the wrong side of this uh, as far as the number goes. I took the seven down to one. Uh, Look, this Chiefs team, yes, the defense is every bit as bad as we thought it's going to be. I think we've proven that at this point, but they have played a murderer's row of good offenses so far to start the season. And now you get Washington football team, a Taylor Heineke led team where Taylor Heineke was God awful this past week. I I think you even mentioned it on the pod last week that maybe these teams are starting to figure him out a little bit, or maybe it was just this. He was performing just way, way, way over his skis, way, way, way over expectation. And he's just coming back down down to earth here. But uh, I, I like this chiefs team a lot here despite the fact that they have such a poor defense. Yeah, I, I think it's a, a decent bounce back spot. So I, I didn't watch that game against the Bills. Um, but if, if you actually looked, I mean, I only looked at the box score the next day and some of the advanced stats, the Chiefs had a, a better success rate, I think a better first down rate in that game. Um, obviously, they I think they were minus four in turnovers. They they, they didn't have Chris Jones and they, they got zero pass rush and, you know, they paid for it. But... I think it's a little bit overblown that you know the, the Chiefs dynasty is over. They they can't they can't make the playoffs with this defense um, because it is it's probably better than dead last. Um, you know it is probably 
a lot of a lot of strength of schedule in there, as you said, second hardest in the entire NFL so far. Um, and then, so if we think that we get a little bit of improvement out of them, especially against, as you say, Taylor Heineke, who who might be getting figured out, and he, he's prone to mistakes. Like I don't see. I don't see anyone. I don't see the Chiefs not scoring here. This, it reminds me of that Eagles game where they mm-hmm. did not punt a single time. They were, I think, they were six point five road favorites in that game as well. So, best offense in the NFL by DVOA, going up against the second worst secondary in the NFL by PFF grade. Um, I mean, that should just be a bloodbath, really. Um, so, if, if you've got Heineke forced into forty pass attempts to keep up, you would hope there is enough talent in in the in the Chiefs' defense to get a turnover or two, and um, I, I would prefer them to cover the spread. Yeah, Stephen, um, I think you have I think you have a, a, a leg here as well in this thing, um, like I do. Again, it's just a it's it's a situation where I get it. Their Kansas City defense is definitely bad, and I am. I thought I, they're probably even worse than I thought they could possibly be. And and the Bills certainly exposed that this past week. But to put the Bills or the Browns or any of these teams that they have played so far into the same breath as what what you're getting in Washington, I think is just being a little bit foolish here, especially with Taylor Heineke and the way that he has played over the last couple of weeks. Again, he has really, really regressed. Uh, just lacks a lot. of He lacks arm strength as well. There's just a lot of things that are deficient in his game. And let's just be let's just face it. This Washington defense was supposed to be the strong suit of this team. They're supposed to be the the thing that was going to keep them in every single game. And that has not been the case so far. They've just been shredded. And here comes here enrolls the number one offense in all of the NFL. Uh, I don't think that Kansas City offense slows down here at all. And I think that the defense, as bad as they are, can make at least a couple of stops. And with that, that's going to be enough to win this game. Yeah, I actually have three different tickets around this game, all involving the Kansas City Chiefs. The first is just the straight up spread, the minus six and a half. There are a couple sevens popping at different spots as we record this. So if you can get the six and a half, definitely do that. I am with you on the teaser leg as well for Kansas City at minus a half. Minus one's fine, too, on that. Here's an interesting way to look at this, right? The the market in terms of a common opponent in recent weeks. The Saints last week closed minus two and a half at Washington. Are we really going to believe with the Chiefs at minus six and a half that the market is telling us that Kansas City is only four points better than the New Orleans Saints? I I completely impact. I think that's laughable. I, I reject that completely. So I actually think we're getting a discount on the Chiefs this week after that primetime performance. And listen, the defense is a train wreck. We've all noted that. A fun fact, though, they are the worst total DVOA defense on record here. Now, a small sample, only five games, a whole rest of the season to go. But as of right now, the worst total DVOA on record, those records go back to 1983. The next worst defense was the 1986 Bucks, who went 2-14. and 14. So they're a train wreck. Hopefully, some easier offenses will help them in future weeks here. Offensively, though, for the Chiefs, the other angle I have here, I think this is a pretty good buy low spot on Patrick Mahomes, 20 to 1 at BetMGM to win MVP. We all know football writers, they're not exactly the, the most advanced analytics type crowd like baseball voters are. So, I mean, they, these, these writers for football and their awards, especially MVP, are obsessed with touchdown passes. So, Mahomes at this point still is on pace to 
get to Peyton Manning's single season record of 55, albeit with an extra game. But that'd be a nice headline to vote for him. And as a unit, despite that horrific defense, they're still first in DVOA, EPA, and success rate. So if Mahomes carries this team to a division title with a horrific defense, pretty good narrative there at 20 to 1 if he leads the league in passing yards and passing touchdowns, and he is on pace for more than 5,000 yards this year. So um, you talked about the Washington defense. They're horrific. They're bottom five in DVOA, MPFF, pass D grade. And then on offense, Heineke's a train wreck. 31st graded offense by PFF. The O-line actually has been good. Like if you look at several statistics for Washington, the O-line has been pretty good. So I might actually be looking to to buy low on this team in future weeks once Ryan Fitzpatrick's back off IR, which could be as early as week seven. But these stats for this offense overall, given how good the offensive line has been statistically, are really an indictment of Taylor Heineke. And overall, I think it's a great buy low spot this week for Kansas City. There's a market over on DraftKings as well for most passing yards over the course of the season. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is still seven to one right now to win, uh, to have the most passing yards in the NFL. Listen, the defense might get a little bit better over the course of the season whenever they're fully healthy, but they're not going to make such a jump to where they are not going to have to keep their foot on the gas in every single game moving forward. And that's one of the things here that I, I was really drawn to with Patrick Mahomes in that market specifically for most passing yards because again one they just moved Clyde Edwards Alaire to the IR so now they're down the starting running back that they had to start the season with anyway they don't they're not very good at running the ball they're not all that they don't really want to run the ball with everything that they've got going on as well and so uh, for Mahomes at seven to one to lead the league in passing yards, I really did like that one. So that ticket is also available out there again over at DraftKings. So take a look in that one as well. Minnesota Vikings at the Carolina Panthers. Vikings are one to one and a half point favorites. Forty five and a half to forty six is your total in this one. The Minnesota Vikings survivor players everywhere rejoiced this past week as they kicked a 54 yard field goal as time expired to just win the game. Also, teaser leg players, if you got in early on the Vikings, also rejoice because they did win by two. They covered the one, the one and a half, of course, pushed the two even for you when it looked like it could be dead. So there were a lot of uh, reasons that you were jumping up and down about that kick going through. If you were back in the Vikings this past week, the Carolina Panthers have regressed a little bit over the last couple of weeks. We kind of saw this coming. That defense was never going to be the number one defense in all of the NFL. And we knew that you can only play the people that are put in front of you. So it's not an indictment on the, the Carolina Panthers really in general. It is just there is, you know, at the end of the day, your schedule is what your schedule is, and they ha- they played a, a rather easy schedule to begin the season. Pro Football Focus, who doesn't have priors really into their rankings, they're just watching every play of every game and then grading out, has now moved this defense down to 14th in the NFL. Now, DVOA still has them up at two, but again, DVOA right now is still 65% priors. And so this is one of the things that we've got to 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 kind of figure out, you know, with, with all this, with these rankings and, and kind of parsing this in between as we're still early on in the season here. Steven, I'll start with you. Um, a very interesting game. I mean, it is, if you want to, you know, I, I'm a teaser player. I'm staying away from it, but it, this is a teaser, a bull game with Carolina to get them up to seven and a half, to get them through the three and the seven. Uh, I'm not going to go that direction or, you know, Minnesota. Do you think that they're better just overall than this Carolina team? And if you do, you're probably just playing the one uh, you're laying the one with Minnesota on the road. 
Well, the market certainly thinks Minnesota's better. The the Panthers opened as a small favorite in this mm-hmm. game and it's flipped to the other side. So, you know, the market is telling us that they believe that the Vikings are the better team, even on the road here. Um, I, I agree with you. This is this is by best practices standards. It does fit the mold and really the only game in week six that fits the mold of the typical teaser leg that you want. You're like you said, up through the three and the seven, you have a low total here, but I'm scared of it. I mean, I'm, I'm scared to tease Carolina here. I thought that their offense looked pretty rough. The only way I would consider it is if Christian McCaffrey is definitely back this week. I think he is the one running back in the NFL that matters and matters quite a bit to his offense. It's Um, true because the way that they go about offense completely changes when he is and isn't out there. But of course, we got the great from Matt Rule, the 50-50 to play this week against the Vikings. Yes, yeah, he is 50-50. So great. Thanks for that clarification there, my friend. But this offense, though, overall for the season has been bad in in a lot of areas here. And I, I mean... The Eagles were trying to hand them that game last week. I mean, the offense couldn't do anything for Philly last week, and they wind up getting 10 points off of two Carolina turnovers that put them in in field goal range already, and they wound up scoring a touchdown on less than a 30-yard drive on the other. So they basically handed the Eagles that game. And the Carolina offense is, you know, outside the top 20 in all of these different advanced statistics that we care about here. So, um, listen, the, the, the the Vikings defense has some flaws in certain situations as well. Their pass rush hasn't been great um, in terms of pass rush win rate. But if you look at pressure rate, they are actually pretty good. So it's hard to decide what this Vikings defense is. Uh, But the offense is so bad for Carolina that I have a hard time backing them in this game, even when it flipped to them being a small favorite. Brad, it, we're looking at a Minnesota team here. It looks like guys were just given kind of veteran days here. There was no Thielen, no Jefferson, no Madison, all at practice. Uh, no, I should say not all not at practice on Wednesday for this Vikings team. We'll know a little bit more as the week progresses, the status of all of those teams. I mean, this Vikings team is very, very interesting. They have to kick a last-minute field goal to win a game. They've had last-minute field goals kicked against them and or fumbles go against them and whatever. Like This team could be could, could have a better record on paper and could look a little bit more shiny entering this game than it actually does. Um, listen, we know that the one thing about Kirk Cousins is he's pretty good when he has time, and when he's pressured, he's not all that good. And if we look right now, the pressure rate from Carolina coming is the number one uh, number one pressure rate defense in the league right now. They are number one in pass rush win rate. They are the they are the second most blitz happy team in the NFL as well. Do you think that they can get in the backfield enough to really kind of mess up what Kirk Cousins' Vikings team wants to do? Uh, yeah, I do. I, I do think they can get in his face. Because, I mean, because of those pass rush metrics that you've just mentioned there, best in the league in a, in a couple of important ones. Um, and then the Vikings offensive line, 21st in the NFL in pass block win rate. And they're, they're particularly weak, a left tackle. They're kind of toggling two players in and out right now. Um, well, you know, that, that kind of shows you if you've got two left tackles, you probably don't have one. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I think they can get in uh, Kirk Cousins' face. And I we 
you know, there's a lot of names on this Minnesota offense, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins, Thiel and Jefferson, but they're 27th in early down success rate so far this year. So, you know, like the, the names aren't delivering, whether that's the scheme, whether that is, you know, the, these problems up front or whatever reason, but that, you know, I don't think it's a slam dunk that they just go up and down the field here. Uh, and then the other side of the ball, I think it's kind of a similar story, which is, which is why I ended up on the under in this game. Um, Carolina, 31st in the NFL in pass block win rate. Um, you know, they've been swapping tackles in and out all year long, trying to find something that works. Um, and Minnesota comes in with a sixth rank in um, PFF defense, second in pressure rate. So I think they're going to be in Sam Darnold's face as well. Um, we, I would say quickly, we saw this last year with the with the Carolina offense. I think they came out the gate quite hot. They're, they're quite well schemed in the first half. Um, Joe Brady, you know, he's got got a lot of uh, a lot of plaudits, and then they slowed down throughout the year. I, I think possibly as people figured out the scheme a little bit, uh, and I, I wonder if we're starting to see that again because. You know, like the Eagles shut them out last week. The Eagles aren't a aren't a good defense, but they they dominated the offensive line as, as we expect the Vikings to do. And um, you know, the, the the Panthers just did nothing. So uh, with with this total sitting at forty six, uh, I, I thought uh, the under was quite a nice look. Houston Texans at the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, as we sit right now, the Colts are ten point favorites, forty three or forty three and a half is going to be your total in this one. Steven, I'm going to give you 30 seconds. We are not spending, we are not wasting people's time <laughs> on this game. I'm going to give you 30 seconds for your thoughts. We're going to move on to Brad. I will give a little spiel. We're getting the hell out of here. This is a game that if you're betting this game outside of just playing the Colts and survivor, then I, I like you're a sick human being. You're a sick <laughs> person out there. If you want to lay 10 with the Colts, or even if you want to take 10 with the Texans, let's go. I, I think this is the week to buy low on the Colts to win the division at plus 300 or better. India's had a brutal schedule to start the year, but they've actually been better than the Titans in terms of yards per play per game uh, and, and also yards per play per game allowed. Tennessee's next five games, Buffalo, Kansas City, Indy again, the Rams, the Saints, Indy's next five games, the Texans, the 49ers, the Titans, the Jets, and the Jaguars. Wouldn't shock me in the least if these two teams are tied in the division after the next five weeks. I think you get a good number here, and they should be at least within one game if if these lines hold after this week. Brad, we have the Colts as 10-point favorites. I know you're running to the window to back the Colts as double-digit favorites here in 2021. <laughs> uh, yeah. I've, I've not spent a lot of time on the game. I would say maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe that offensive performance against the Ravens maybe that was for real like we know how disrupted the offseason was for the Colts and Wentz came in there he missed a load of training camp um, so he probably didn't get the full benefit of Frank Reich coaching him up and, and all that sort of thing so maybe you know that's a, a legitimate breakout that we saw last week um, so yeah I, I don't mind that uh, that division future that Stephen likes there there, uh, there is at least uh, T.Y. Hilton did return to practice on Wednesday. He is still, they have 21 days to activate him from IR. He's not T.Y. Hilton of old for sure, but having a at least a legitimate second option for him being the, the number two there, maybe there's at least a little bit to like about the Colts offense better. It should he uh, be able to be healthy, but we'll, we'll monitor that as the season goes. Like I said, this is survivor play. This is the survivor play of the week. If you're in a big survivor pool, 
you're 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 playing the Colts. You're just praying that they don't lay an egg here against the worst team in the league, and uh, you just move on. You're not going to want to play the Colts probably moving forward at all. I know they still have game against the Jags and stuff like that, but I mean, do you feel super comfortable in this Colts team as they're constructed right now? Probably not. So that really, I think, is the only way to go in this one. Los Angeles Rams at the New York Giants. This is up to 10 points as well. 10-point favorites are the Rams. There is one nine and a half still available out there if you want to play the Rams. 48 and a half, your total here. Brad, of course, this has gotten up into the double digits because we don't think that there's going to be very many New York football Giants out on the field after what went down. We know Saquon Barkley's not going to play. It doesn't look like Daniel Jones is going to get cleared as well. We don't know about, about the other wide receivers for the Giants. Slayton and Shepard have both missed the last couple of weeks as well. So there is just so many question marks about this Giants team, which has led us to a 10 point road favorite in the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Danny Dimes is the key here. The the chatter yesterday, Joe Judge said like he was on track to play if he passes medical clearance, which isn't really saying anything at all. Like, obviously, yeah, he has to pass the concussion protocol. (laughs) Right. Um, But (laughs) it did seem to be more positive, um, which is, I think, the line ticked down to nine and a half for a little bit yesterday. I would say if if he is in, um, I think he'll have enough. It sounded like Shepard would be back. They'll have Kadarius Tony who... He looks, he looks like a big Odell Beckham to me, the way he moves. Um, he seems to be a real, a real threat for them. So I think if Dimes does play, then 10 at home is, is too big, given how well he's been playing this season. And given, yeah. I still think this Rams defense is, is way overrated. Um, you know, just no, nowhere near what they were last year, basically, um, despite, despite a, a relatively easy schedule this year. So, you know, I think Dimes can backdoor that, that game. Yeah, Stephen, I'm I'm here with that as well. It's like you're just going to have to be sitting at your computer at the exact right time in order to get this news and be able to get the 10. So I'm hoping that happens. I don't know if it's going to be able to happen. And if that's the case, if I miss the number, then I just miss the number and, and I'll move on here. But if if, Dan, if, if Daniel Jones looks like he's going to go, like, like uh, Brad said, it looks like Sterling Shepard is going to be back. Tony looks like he could be a star in the making. Slayton did return to practice as well. Now, whether he's going to go or not, we don't know. Doesn't look like Galladay is going to go. Um, that being said, if I get double digits at home here and all of those wide receivers are going to play and I get the quarterback, it's something I might be interested in. But again, you'll have to be sitting at your computer right when the news breaks and likely you're going to miss this number as it is anyway. Brad said that Joe Judge didn't say anything, and I, I agree with him. It's not much he can say. They're at the whims of the protocol here. But Daniel Jones was on the practice field on Wednesday, and he was off to the side. He's not allowed to practice with the team, but he was getting some work in on the side, had his helmet on. He was taking some some reps and some snaps. It's about the extent he's allowed to do under the protocol, but I think that is at least a positive. This look-ahead line was seven. So I agree with both of you that if we could still get a 10 if if Daniel Jones is declared to be in, I'm in on the 10. But I think the market is already starting to try to get ahead of this. Right now, what I see is only really one plus 10, minus 10 still out there. The, the rest of them are starting to get juiced a little bit or like you said, already gone to nine and a half. So um, yeah, you're going to have to try and thread the needle here if you want to get that 10 when Daniel Jones is declared in. Chargers at the Ravens. This is the game everybody's going to be keeping an eye on this week. These are two teams that certainly have not only deep playoff run aspirations, but maybe even Super Bowl aspirations now with the way that the Chargers 
have come around on this. Um, this line has moved a lot. This thing was the Chargers three and a half point dogs to the Ravens. It moved to three pretty quickly, sat at three for a while, now down to two and a half in favor of the Ravens, a 52 or 52 and a half point total in this one. Steven, now this is a game I'm definitely interested in. I took the three and a half on the Chargers. I couldn't believe that it was three and a half on the Chargers mm-hmm. after what we saw from the Ravens team this past week. Now, you can say that you like what you saw on the offensive side of the ball from them. You can say that you like what you saw from Lamar Jackson passing, and that's all fine and dandy and all well and good for sure. But this is a Chargers team that has played, by and large, much better defense this season, and certainly a Chargers team that that rolls in with a with a much better offense than the Colts do, have, uh, you know, as well. And the Colts were able to go out there and just shred this Ravens team. There's a lot of injury report stuff that will, you know, we're going to be need to be monitoring. Sammy Watkins didn't practice for this Ravens team where, you know, they did move Ben Cleveland, one of their offensive linemen to injured reserve. So he got moved to injured reserve. We're going to look at the status of a couple of other of these offensive linemen for the Ravens as well. But as we sit right now, I didn't really care about any of that. If you were giving me more than a field goal and and you were giving me the hook, I was taking that on this Chargers team. That's said there are three still available right now out there so you're getting a field goal with the Chargers against this Ravens team that looks pretty vulnerable on the defensive side of the ball wrong teams rated higher in this game to me I mean based on this spread if you give a point point and a half for home field the market's telling us that the Ravens are rated higher than the Chargers I disagree with that I think the Chargers should be rated higher than the Ravens this is why I bet it at plus three and a half on the look ahead took my shot that there wouldn't be a significant injury for the Chargers so I would still bet this at plus three this week I'm with you with that I also added a Chargers teaser leg at plus nine I'm good with plus eight and a half Mm -hmm. if if we get the two and a halfs across the board here as kickoff approaches so it's not a perfect teaser leg with a total of 52 but again, I think I think the wrong side is is rated higher than the other in this one. So, I mean, overall, with the Ravens, when they have the ball, the issue I will acknowledge is the Chargers rushing defense. And, you know, they can they score enough points, the Chargers offense to overcome that deficiency in stopping the run? They're 31st in rush DDVOA, 29th in rush D grade by PFF, 27th in run stop win rate. So. Brandon Staley, on top of that, it's clear that he has recognized that. There's been reports and rumors that they've been trying since training camp to get a Keem Hicks in a trade, the stout defensive run stopper for the Chicago Bears. They haven't been able to do it yet, but it's obvious that Staley recognized this as a flaw in his defense. But here's the dirty little secret with the Ravens offense. Their their run game hasn't been elite this year. No, the Ravens, it hasn't been efficient at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're 25th in rush EPA. They're 12th in success rate, 16th in rush DVOA, 22nd in rush O grade by PFF. Their offensive line has been bad, like you said. And now they have a couple injuries on top of that. They're 25th in adjusted line yards. They've been doing this with Lamar Jackson through the air. So if you still hear some talking heads on the sports network saying Lamar Jackson still has to grow as a passer, like turn it off and never watch it again because it's nonsense because he has been awesome through the air. They're Top 10 across the board in those advanced stats, but that's not the way to take advantage of this Chargers defense. So flip it to the other side of the ball and the Chargers have huge advantages against this Ravens defense. Sixth in EPA against a 21st ranked Ravens 
DVOA defense, seventh in DVOA for the Chargers, though, against the number 22 Ravens DVOA defense. I mean, that's significant enough for me to take the Chargers as field goal underdogs or more. And it looks like you're going to run out of time here if you wait to try and get that field goal. Final thought, Matt. I can't turn on Twitter without seeing Brandon Staley these days. And the Chargers division futures are like almost even money now, but I wouldn't bet that. I think Brandon Staley plus 450 for coach of the year if they pull this off in the division is a great bet right now. And even if they don't win the division and still win like 13 games, he could still win this award. So I'm going to lock in a plus 450 despite him being the favorite for coach of the year. Yep. I have an eight to one on Staley in the account already for, for coach of the year. Uh, listen, as much buzz as he's been getting, as much of the rounds, as much of the praise as he's been getting, it's still voted on by human beings and human beings get affected by those things. And, uh, I was, I was, you know, listen, I, I love every single time something he does gets retweeted a thousand, 10,000, 20,000 times. I love every single bit of that. For sure, Brad. So there are three still available. If you want the chargers, there are two and a halves available. If you want the Ravens, this is kind of a, who throw? I mean, you almost look at it as kind of a who throws for more yardage type thing here. Who's more efficient yeah. through the air as opposed to what we would typically have thought from a Ravens team. But that's kind of where we sit right now. I mean, I I think I was a little bit naive as well just to think that after you lose your first string, second string, and third string running back that you would just be able to plug anybody in off the street and that this rush game would still be able to work as efficiently as it has the last few years. I think that was pretty naive on my part and maybe a lot of people's part out there. It is still a fairly complex run system that it, when it's working, it looks beautiful. But, you know, again, it still needs the working parts to get going. Lamar's been able to get it done through the air so far, however. Yeah, I, I think there's probably it's probably three prongs there. It's probably a the running backs, you know, being new and old uh, that you mentioned. Um, yeah. B the offensive line not being what it was. You know, you know, a couple of years back they had Marshall Yander, they had Ronnie Staley playing well, and you know that's just not the case this year. And then C, I think it's people just like filling up filling up bodies in the box and make, saying to Lamar, if you mm. want to beat us with the pass, you can. Um, and he and he has done it, but I don't think that's what Staley's going to do. You know. Oh, that's that's his mo is make <laughs> make them run the ball basically give up five yards of carry if you mm-hmm. if you want um you just can't pass on us now the, the browns could do that because they've got the horses up front but I, I just don't think the ravens are that well equipped to do it um you know they, they, they're just they're just less good at run blocking essentially so you mm-hmm. know I, I do like the chargers chances to slow down that that ravens passing attack um and on the other side of the ball yeah I, I, i'm not sure anyone's slowing down the, these chargers this year um th- there is quite an interesting little statistical thing going on here where ravens are first in early down success rate and chargers are 22nd now normally i'd, I'd want to be on the the good team in that but mm-hmm. I think I think Herbert's success on third and fourth down is, is is a little bit more sustainable than you would think, just because he, he's so good under pressure, um, and he's you know I think third down performance is kind of the best quarterbacks do well because the, you know there, there's no there's no trickery there's no play action it's they're going to chuck some blitzes at you you've got to stand in there and deliver the ball kind of just beat them, and you know since he's been in the league he's done that now. And giving him sort of two late downs to do it instead of just one, I think is is quite powerful. So, yeah, I, I just I'm not sure the Chargers should be up three point underdogs to anyone in the league at this point. But you're you've got to look at the you've got to look at the total on this one though, correct? 
Um, I bet the Chargers plus the points. Um, I, I would look to the over because mm. I th- you know just just the aggressiveness on fourth down. You, you you're going to have people going for it on their own thirty, on the opposition thirty. It's probably going to be touchdowns rather than field goals, maybe short fields. So um, mm. I, I think that probably pushes you to an overlook, but uh, prefer the Chargers side. Packers at the Bears. Packers, four, four and a half point favorites on the road in Chicago. 44, 44 and a half. Your total here. Justin Fields gets the win last week despite not having to do anything at all. The Raiders basically just handed that win to the Chicago Bears. Uh, Fields throws for 111 yards in the game, and they, they win the game handily against the, uh, against the Raiders that were maybe had uh, pretty distracted for the stuff that was happening off the field there. Uh, Brad, I don't have anything in this one. I think that it's probably about appropriate, um, you know, Maybe you could someone can make a super compelling case for me as to why I should be taking the Bears at home, getting four and a half. But I just can't quite get there. So this is going to be a pass for me. Yeah, no bet for me either. I probably would lean to the under of the four main ones. So that's Packers playing third slowest, third slowest in the league in situation neutral pace. Um, The Bears are the ninth slowest and they're running at the league's highest rate. Uh, 57% of the minute. And then this Bears defense is is sneaky. They've, they've faced the 11th hardest schedule, uh, but they're the fourth mm. best in the NFL by DVOA. Um, and, you know, Rodgers has basically got Devontae Adams and no one else at the minute. So I, I think they could slow him down. Um, and given the pace, you know, we could just see, uh, you know, a bit, a bit of a slugfest. Stephen, I, you know, I understand easier said than done. Devonte Adams has a 37% target share <laughs> right now for for the Packers. It's like every, more than every third pass that leaves Aaron Rodgers' hands is heading in Devonte Adams' direction. Yet he continues to get it done every single week with ca- not only the catches, the yards, the touchdowns, everything. It's like triple team the guy and make Aaron Rodgers beat you with Randall Cobb and, and Alan Lazard and all this. But I know again, easier said than done. Uh, that's why I just, I just, you know, I, I, I feel like maybe the bears are the right side here, but I just can't, I can't get myself to pull the trigger because again, nobody has been able to figure out how to slow that down yet. And do I believe that Matt Nagy and staff are going to be able to do that here in this situation? I'm just not willing to put the money behind it. One of our preseason podcasts, Matt, we were talking about Devontae Adams as the fourth choice in the odds to lead the league in receptions, which I thought was just a stupid line, considering the only reason he didn't do it last year is because he missed a couple of games. So uh, that one's sitting pretty right now. And um, we got that at plus 754th choice. So I'd take a look and see if, you know, you still get a decent number on that for the rest of the season. It really, it truly is amazing, right? Like, Every single defense they play every single week knows where the ball is going 10 plus times and they still can't figure out how to stop it. And Devontae Adams is just amazing. So it it truly I hope everybody realizes how special it is what we're watching here. Like this is this is like Jerry Rice level dominance that we're seeing in this era of the NFL with Devontae Adams and getting the ball from Aaron Rodgers. So with that being said for this game, I think there are defensive concerns for the Packers. They got some injuries here that they're dealing with. The only angle here I would consider is a teaser leg for the Bears. Our lead writer, Eli Hershkovich, has debated that. But, I mean, it's tough, right? That is a total Mm. hold your nose and add it situation because there is a lot of, of... 
outcomes in this range where the Packers win this game by two touchdowns or more. So it's not going to be one of my teaser legs, but it, I guess if you go technically with a low total of 44 and you're teasing it up through the seven and the 10, you can make an argument, but I don't want anything to do with Matt Nagy in this offense whatsoever. Yeah. Same with me. Like I, I deep down, something tells me that the bears are probably the right side here and I just can't, I just can't get myself to pull the trigger on this one. Arizona Cardinals at the Cleveland Browns, the other premier game of the week. We have the undefeated, the only undefeated team left in the NFL in the Arizona Cardinals. We have the Cleveland Browns as three-point home favorites in a total of 49 and a half here. Steven, this is one of the games where I am super, super excited to watch. I yeah. don't know if I'm going to get any action down on this one. And listen, you guys know I am as bullish on the sh- on the Cleveland Browns as any person on the face of the planet. I truly believe that this team, if 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 healthy, if everything's rocking and rolling, has what it takes to to really do to really compete. That said, it's a mash unit right now. And as we record this on Thursday morning, it's very tough for me and trying to try to figure out what iteration of this Chicago uh, of this uh, Cleveland Browns team we're going to get on the field. I mean, there's there's offensive line injuries. There's all kinds of defensive injuries. And we're talking about key players here. And I know a lot of people only really want to change their opinion on games if it if it affects uh, a quarterback. But man, when you're talking the Browns, we're talking two different offensive linemen that might not be able to go. We're talking uh, main contributors in the secondary. We're talking pass rushers, which is so important to a defense like this Cleveland Browns team because they're able to get stuff done with those uh, with those bulls that they have up front uh, on the defensive line. And so it is just very, very tough for me to feel super confident one way or the other right now, knowing what I know, Stephen, what do you think about this game? I agree with everything you just said. I mean, they have on top of that, they're both of their running backs didn't practice on Wednesday. Jadeveon Clowney didn't practice. Miles Garrett didn't practice. So, I mean, a lot of key spots. Mm-hmm. The good positive is that their three cornerbacks at least got back on a limited basis on Wednesday. So that was positive. But there's also, I mean, this game to me, I was ready to fight you this week on this because mm-hmm. I thought you were going to be all in on the Browns and I thought I was going to be all in on the Cardinals. But full disclosure, I bet Cardinals plus three on the look ahead mm-hmm. and given the the advancements in the sports betting legalized world that we live in they gave me the option to cash it out at my full stake and mm-hmm. I did because there's some concerns here on the Arizona side too both in terms of their actual team and also environment this mm-hmm. week there's some wind in the forecast in Cleveland talking maybe 20 plus mile an hour winds which for this passing attack could be an issue. On top of that, Kyler Murray popped up on the injury report Wednesday with a right throwing shoulder injury. The same issue that kind of derailed their season in the second half a year ago. We don't know how severe it is. Could be nothing, Mm -hmm. but it could be something. So on top of that, their, their pass rusher Chandler Jones has hit the COVID list. Now this is a team that's got hundred percent vaccination status. So there's still a small chance that if he gets two negative tests within 24 hours, that he could be cleared to play, but we don't know if that's going to be the case yet. So way too many question marks and unknowns on both sides of the ball here for me to make a bet. Uh, but 
if everything was healthy, I wish we would have gotten this because I'm high on Arizona for the rest of the season, maybe more than the rest of you, but just way too many unknowns for me to put money on this one. Yeah, I'm a little bummed out as well that we're getting kind of a, a, a nicked up version of both of these teams because I certainly would have liked to have seen what this matchup looked like if they were going at this thing both at least close to full strength. No, no team's going to be full strength at this point in the season, but at least close to full strength. Brad, um, you know, again, we're sitting at a field goal right now. Uh, it, I'm, I'm getting, you know, the last thing I saw was they didn't think they were going to have Chandler Jones this week um, in this one for the Cardinals. And that's, you know, obviously a big hit, but obviously the, the bigger hit being the Kyler Murray news that something's going on with his throwing shoulder. We saw this last year. He was awesome until he wasn't. And I just, maybe I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't be thinking back to last year. Maybe I should be able to think a little bit more clearly, but the memory is still very, very fresh in my mind of what this offense looked like after Kyler Murray got injured last year. Yeah. I, I, I don't think you should forget it. I, don't I, you know that was a huge that was the second half of their season was down the drain because Kyler was no longer Kyler and suddenly you're reliant on Cliff Kingsbury scheming it up um, and they they were not good so I, I, you, I don't think you can bet Arizona in this game with with that uncertainty the, the other thing is Rodney mm. Hudson out who, who's been very good for them this year he's also calling out all the blitzes and stuff with Kyler you know they, Kyler's been raving about him all season sort of how much he's helped him so so with that, so Kyler injury, no center, heavy wins, then I, you know, I can really really see the Cardinals struggling to put up points here. Um, now, obviously, I, I've not bet the Browns yet because of all these injuries, because literally half the team's on the injury list. Um, it does seem like a lot of them are trending towards playing. And if, if they are, you know, mm-hmm. if these key ones, if Clowney goes, if the corners go, um, obviously, I want to see what's going on on the offensive line as well. Like, if, if these guys are generally playing, then I, I will bet the Browns minus three because I think there's a, there's a lot of things going against the Cardinals this week. Yep, same with me. So I, I'm I'm looking at uh, you know so long as Thursday kind of comes out and looks the way that I am and and reading some more beat writer stuff. If it looks like it's going to be much better and a much more rosy picture for the Browns, then I also will take them at minus three in this game. One of the other injuries people aren't talking about that I think is a little bit bigger of an impact than just kind of a, oh, uh, under the radar type thing is, is Max Williams goes down for the for the Cardinals as well. And if you look, Kyler had been relying on Max Williams in a lot of high leverage situations. He had been using him when they needed to move the chains he connected with him in weeks two to four on 15 of 15 targets like was able to 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 go 15 of 15 to him in weeks two to four before Williams had to leave the game with what ended up being a season ending knee injury for him and I don't think it's just uh something we should just sweep under the rug here that a guy that he had been leaning on in high leverage and third down move the chain type situations is now no longer going to be on the field for him as well. So I, I am, I like the Cardinals, Stephen. I do. I like the Cardinals overall in general. That being said, just this, this, this version, these tough injuries, spot. things going on. Yeah. It's just a real, real tough spot. And so I'm going to be looking to back the Browns. That being said, I'm going to see what the injury thing looks like here over the next 24 to 48 hours. Matt, last question for you here. You and I both have Browns futures and we are relying on this defense. And I found an interesting split here. So I want to get your opinion on it. This defense for the Browns, when they played Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert, allowed 6.5 and 7.2 yards per play, respectively. 
And then the other games against the Texans quarterbacks, Justin Fields and Kirk Cousins, they just dominated. And I'm, I'm curious if you think this defense is legitimately elite or if you think that they are still prone to, to having issues when they actually play good offenses, which they're going to have to do down the down the stretch here. Yeah, I mean, it. this past week was I mean, they they were literally at times the half of the defensive players were off of the field. I mean, Miles yeah. Garrett, Jadavian Clowney, uh, Denzel Ward, Greedy Williams, who was playing, who was backing up as it was anyway. Uh, like there, there were there were literally six different guys that were going to be key contributors that were not on the field because they had either they were either out for the game to begin with or they got hurt during the game and were having to go in and out and, and things like that. So I don't take an incredibly I don't take a lot from this past week, considering how how nicked up they were and how badly they were injured. So I'm uh, I'm not really downgrading them all that much, but let's definitely keep an eye on them and let's definitely monitor them over the next couple of weeks and make sure that it's not something that might be a concern moving forward. Las Vegas Raiders at the Denver Broncos. The Raiders are without their head coach and play caller, John Gruden, who resigned after an email leak came out where he said a bunch of horrible things about a whole bunch of different types of people. And with that, we have the Broncos. That line moves from three to three and a half. And so the Broncos were favored by three at home. It moves to three and a half. So now you got to get the hook on there with the fact that you're going to be without the head coach and the play caller in John Gruden. Uh, Brad, I'll start with you here. Not much. uh, Listen, on the news, I put in just a little speculative bet on the Broncos at three because I knew that the line was going to be moving. I was just going to see how much it was going to move. Apparently, not very much. It moved to half a point. That's it. Getting the three as opposed to three and a half, I think, is at least a little something. But uh, I don't I'm not in love with the bet. I'm not in love with this game. I'm not really in love with either one of these teams. So I don't uh, I don't have a super strong opinion really one way or the other on this thing. Uh, no, nor me. I would say we've got two pretty bad offenses or offenses that might be worse than public perception. So Raiders 26th in early down success rate, Denver 23rd in early down success rate. Um, and we've also got a Raiders offensive line 24th in pass block win rate going up against Von Miller and co. So... I can see them struggling to move the ball. Um, you know, they've had a lot of third down success and, you know, they've put up some numbers this year, this Raiders team. But, you know, the, the, the core stats suggest they've probably been a bit lucky to do that. Uh, and going into Denver without their play caller might be a bad spot. It's, it's tough to know what kind of motivation you're getting here, isn't it? Like, do, do they want to... Do they, you know, do they want to play for their new coach? Are they are they going to put out another dud after last week when they were terrible, scored nine points against the Bears? Like it's quite tough to to have too much confidence in what we're going to get here. Yeah, Stephen. Here's the thing: there are the some people who go in the oh, the team's going to rally because you know they're going to show that it wasn't just the coach and you know that they can win. So there's some people that are in that camp. There's some people who are in the camp of well, it's more than just a head coach here. The guy was also calling the play. So you're you're replacing two coaches in one in a short week because I mean this happened two a couple of days ago. So there's there's two different kind of thoughts leading into this one. I don't really know exactly where, where I land and where I stand here. I just know both of these teams are, are very weird and hard to figure out. And when that typically is the case, I, uh, I, tr- I tend to shy away from those type of games. I'll give a little bit more perspective on, on what John Gruden is worth in terms of, you know, the actual line, our lead writer, Eli Hershkovich talked to Jeff Sherman, the the VP over at Westgate Superbook this week to ask him. And he said he's worth nothing to the line 
even though he's the play caller. So um, just take that for what it's worth, that that John Gruden leaving isn't worth anything to them. Now, there is a human element to this, I think, that we can't quantify because of the chemistry and the, the locker room and having a different voice talking to you now this week and their special teams coordinator. That I think that is very real, but we just have no way of, of handicapping that is the point. So um, on paper, at least both of these defenses, I think, should have significant advantages over both of the offenses, but that is also baked into the line. We're at a, an over under here of 44. So no play for me in this one, but given the turmoil in the Raiders offense and also just both defenses looking at least in advanced statistics to have advantages over the offenses, I would only lean on the under here. Yeah, I think the under would be a, a look that I would at least entertain, but that would be about the only thing that I, like I said, I, I jumped on the three on the Broncos thinking this thing was going to move at like, you know, a point and a half or something. People like, you know, you yeah, lo- lose the half point and yeah, it only it, moved one point from the look ahead. Yeah, yeah, it only moved a half point. I thought losing the head coach and play caller would, would be an overreaction in the market. And I thought this thing would run and that did not happen. So whatever, I've got a three in the, in, in the pocket. Uh, maybe I'll try to get off of it in game or something. We, we shall see. Dallas Cowboys on the road at the New England Patriots. Three and a half point favorites are the Dallas Cowboys. This is down from four and four and a half. This thing had gotten to four and a half in a couple of different spots. New England Patriots um, at home here in a game with a total of 51, 51 and a half. Steven, this is fairly interesting that the line has moved in favor of the Patriots, considering there are still question marks about this team as well. Pretty seriously on the injury side of things as to who is and is not going to be available in this one I mean I do understand there's a whole bunch of narrative stuff around Bill Belichick and the magic that he can do and the magic that he can run and all of that type of stuff but boy this Cowboys team has really looked incredible in all facets so far I mean the way we knew the offense was going to be good the defense does not have to be elite the defense just needs to be at least upper half of the league for this team to be not only in every game that they play but maybe like maybe win every game that they play. As long as this defense is not bad, this, then they're going to be right there the entire time. So pretty interesting that the line moved uh, towards the Patriots here. Yeah, all three of us are on record from a couple of weeks ago that we locked in some Cowboys futures in various different ways moving forward here. But I also found it very interesting that I think some sharp money came in and moved this line. And I want to explain why I think it moved. The... You know, the the look ahead line here was let me let me make sure I have my numbers right here. So I had I had took Dallas minus one on the look ahead. So but the market and the closing lines here, to me, you go back to a common opponent that both of these teams played, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I know it was early in the season, but you know, take this for what it's worth. In week one, the market told us that the Bucks were seven and a half or eight points favorites against the Cowboys on a neutral field. In week four, the market told us that the Bucks are seven and a half or eight point favorites on a neutral field against the Patriots. So at that point, they basically rated the Cowboys and, and the Patriots as even. Now, I think you do have to adjust here with how impressive the Dallas offense has looked and in the team in general. But 
I'm, and I'm not really dinging New England for a close win at Houston with four-fifths of their offensive line missing last week. So the question now is, is the adjustment of four and a half or five points on a neutral field, which is what this line was earlier this week, is that correct? And the line opened New England plus four and a half in Foxborough. So five and a half or six points on a neutral after the closing numbers earlier this year against a common opponent told us that these teams should be even. So, you know, for me, my conclusion on this is that I'm, I'm comfortable with the Cowboys being rated a, about a field goal better than them. But I think the market was telling us that they reject that the Cowboys are four and a half or five points better than the Patriots on a neutral. And that's why we've seen the line come down. So we can all agree or disagree on whether that's the case. I'm not sure where I stand on it. I'm happy to get the look ahead, but I think that's why this line moved. The market was rejecting the Cowboys being six points, a full, a touchdown better than the Patriots. Brad, we have a Cowboys team that listen again, it's kind of like what we were talking about with, you know, uh, some of these other defenses that we talked about. Listen, even if the even if the advanced metrics aren't 100 percent accurate right now, like even if it's not actually going to end up being the sixth best defense DVOA and pro football focus has them, you know, 13th. So like kind of in, in it well within the upper half here, even if they settle more closer to what where PFF has them as opposed to where where DVOA has them coupled with this offense that they've got then now you've got a pretty, pretty potent team here. I am very interested in this game to see just how real this uh, this Dallas team is as they head on the road up to Foxborough, up against Bill Belichick and company. But that said, I mean, there isn't a lot here from a resistance side of things from from New England, right? I mean, if we look at everything, this defense has not been good by really any, you know, really any stretch of the imagination. I mean, there's a lot of priors that are being built into DVOA right now, but if you look at where pro football focus has them, I mean, they got it way down at 24th and getting no pressure rate, getting no pressure going on. They're not winning the pass rush at all. Uh, Third downs teams are getting the third downs over and over again against them. I, I don't know, man. I'm, I think that maybe there's a little bit of, of, of bump getting put because it's Bill Belichick, but I don't know if that's necessarily deserved here for this Patriots team. Yeah, I, I agree with you. So this so ninth in defensive DVOA, but it's come against the second easiest schedule of of opposing offenses. And if we remember, the one good offense they've played really is going to be the Tampa Bay Bucks. Tom Brady. Now, a it rained all game, but b Brady looked off that yeah. night. Um, you know, they were talking on on the broadcast. He was crying during the Zoom call. Like he he looked like he was forcing it. You know, he was fizzing passes. Just just way overthrowing stuff and, and he and he played badly. Um so I think that's probably pumping up you know what we think of this defense as well. Everyone's going, oh look look, look what he did to Brady, shut them out and they scored 19 points. But yeah, I, I think the Cowboys are going to do their damage. Um I, I don't I don't really see this the, these guys slowing them down. I don't think there's anything you know special about this this Patriots defense. Um and then the other side of the ball, I still think Mac Jones and this offense are limited because they can't really or have refused to throw downfield, whether that's Mac Jones's fault, whether that's the weapons' fault. Um, so if this keeps trickling down to Cowboys minus three, I think I would get involved because I think they're they're probably the better offense and the better defense as as it stands. Um, so as I say, I will, I will wait, see you know, see if the market keeps keeps flowing that way, um, and uh, I, I think there will be some buyback at some point. 
Yeah, same with me. I am. Uh, I'm hoping this thing gets to three. If it gets to three, I'll, I'll take the Cowboys. I'll, I'll play the Cowboys here. So hopefully, hey, keep betting the Patriots out there if you love the Patriots. Is basically what we're going. I I actually think the closer we get to kickoff, all the public money's going to come in on the Cowboys. I mean, I think this. I mean. Look at these two teams. You got the sexy offense and the America's team against a team with a rookie quarterback that, you know, is very boring. You know, I would be shocked if this continues to, you know, if, if it doesn't get to two and a half by the weekend or go, get to three by the weekend, I think the public money's going to pour in here on the Cowboys, but we'll see. Seattle Seahawks at the Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, guys, I don't, if you bet this game, that means you have to watch it. Uh, it is five and a half point favorites. <laughs> uh, the Steelers over the Seahawks, 42 and a half your total. And yes, this is the Geno Smith era that we have begun here with the Seattle Seahawks on the Steelers side of things. Juju Smith Schuster has surgery. He's out for the rest of the season. Um, Steven, I'll uh, I'll start with you on this one as well. Um, look, Geno Smith under center, uh, no Juju Smith Schuster. I I don't know, maybe Najee Harris props or something like that in this. I mean, if anything, he picks up a couple more looks a game, something. But I, you know, whatever. The the bookmakers put this at five, in that five five and a half range because they don't know what to do with it either. It's sitting in that no man's land of of five five and a half. So I, I don't I don't really have any interest in in this one at all. Me neither. I I have zero interest in this game. In fact, after a couple of very late Sunday nights, especially with a weather delay last week, this East Coast dad is going to be very happy to go to sleep early <laughs> and not even worry about Geno Smith and Ben Roethlisberger on Sunday night football. So uh, no thank you on this one. Uh, I, I think that the line is appropriate. I think it's fair. I think a full week of practice should help Geno. At least a little more perspective here. I talked to a, a trader at BetMGM, Christian Cipollini, earlier this week who told us that Russell Wilson is worth more to the line for the Seahawks than most every other quarterback in the NFL, with maybe the exception of Patrick Mahomes. I mean, this line moves seven, seven and a half points from the look ahead. And I think a lot of other quarterbacks, we've already seen a couple this year worth far less than that. Uh, you know, some other upper echelon, you maybe see it move six points, but seven, seven and a half shows you how significant Russell Wilson is to this offense. On top of that, the defense has been pretty brutal. So um, can Ben Roethlisberger and what's left of his career take advantage of that after looking improved last week, perhaps, but I really don't want to be in the business of betting on outlier Ben Roethlisberger performances at this point in his career. So this is a stay away for me. Brad, I have no idea what time Sunday night football happens over there uh, with you, but I can only imagine you'll be very, very happy to go ahead and just go to bed and not stay up for this one. Yes, it kicks off about 1.30 a.m., so I will not be up for this one. Um, I might have a bet on it, though, if the Seahawks get to six, oh, though. Be all right. Because two things. I think one, I think, first of all, it might be a bit of an exhale spot for the Steelers, right? So they're home underdogs mm -hmm. to the Broncos last week. Um, big underdogs the week before that at, at the Packers. And now suddenly they're big favourites at home against, um, you know, a backup quarterback. And... You know, we know the history of, of the Tomlin Steelers. He, he's great getting them fired up, getting them rah-rah going for uh, for an underdog role. But they, they can they can just sort of sleepwalk through a, through a, a game where they're meant to be favourites. And then the other side of this is that Geno Smith might not be bad, right? He, he, hasn't, right, had a, he right. hasn't really had a crack at starting for six years, I think, 2014. 
Um, and, you know, he came out and led him on that 98-yard drive last week. He, he wasn't really at fault for the interception that ended the game. There was a trip on Lockett. Um, and, and you go back and you look at his stats back in the day and, th- and they were fine. They, were, they, they weren't bad. Mm-hmm. Um, his teammates have been saying all week, like how hard he works, um, you know, how, he, how he's ready for this. So, I, yeah, I think he might be better than the market's giving credit for because what what's this game if if Russ is playing? Seahawks are probably favoured by a couple, I would have thought. Um, yeah. So, yeah. you know, it, it may be the biggest downgrade in the league, but is it, is it a full, like, seven points or so? Like, I don't know, that, that 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 does seem a lot to what looked like a competent quarterback last week. Yeah, I mean, listen, here the one thing that we've been talking about is like, oh, well, this this uh this defense for Pittsburgh has not been performing up to what we thought they were going to be this year, specifically on the on the, you know, the 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 pressure rate and different things like that aren't isn't like super elite. It is, I mean, it's it is up there at least, but it's not like super elite. Look, I I think Geno Smith could certainly put some points on the board in this thing. I think he could I think he could move the ball against Pittsburgh if he's not just running for his life the whole time. So, you know, let's uh let's see if the thing gets up to six and maybe we'll we'll throw in a little bet for funsies there. You know, give me a plus sale. seven and a half on the live. You know, if we get early in right. this game and you know, give me a plus seven and a half live, I'd be in on that on Seattle. I mean, this the Steelers defense is twenty seventh in PFF pass defense grade. And, you know, Geno Smith still has Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf to throw to. So I'd be in on that. Monday night football, Buffalo Bills and the Tennessee Titans will take us home here in week six of the NFL. You have the Bills, five and a half or six point favorites over the Titans. Uh, Titans, uh, 54, 54 and a half, your total here in this one. Of course, the Bills coming off of that thrashing of the Chiefs in front of the world. The Titans are going to, it looks like, get back Julio Jones this week. He was back at practice on Wednesday, which is a good sign that he's back out there on a Wednesday uh, getting some reps in for them. So they look to be like they could be at full strength for this one. Brad, we have a a Bills defense that has, listen, we were wondering, is it smoke and mirrors with this Bills defense? Is this something that maybe it was just because of their strength of schedule? Well, they did pretty damn good against Patrick Mahomes this past week. And so maybe these advanced metrics numbers, which by the way, are are comical one dvoa one one by pff one against the past dvoa one against the past pff one against the run according to dvoa they're getting the sixth uh, sixth most pressure rate in the league right now number one yards per play given up number one yards per pass given up number four yards per rush given up number two early down success rate against number one early down epa against number one points per play against i mean this is like this is just crazy these advanced metrics on this on this defense and while this while the strength of schedule certainly wasn't good coming up into that chiefs game they did well against the Chiefs and played very, very good against Patrick Holmes and whatnot. So maybe this defense is actually for real to go along with an offense that certainly looked much, much better against the Chiefs as well. It did. Um, I'm pro- I'm still not a believer. I'm still not a believer in this Bills mm-hmm. defense because, I mean, yes, they've upgraded the pass rush a bit off last year, but you know they're still not that different from like the top ten unit last year. Um, so yeah, I would say still, you know, we can we can downgrade their their early performance because of the bad the bad opposition faced, and then you know Mahomes last week, 
yeah, they, they still moved the ball. They still had a 51% success rate. There was four turnovers in there. Did it? And to me, Mahomes just had a bad game. Like he was, he was missing open throws. Like he just didn't look himself for whatever reason. Now, obviously, you've I got to be dropping balls. Yeah, you, you've got to give them. You've got to give the Bills credit. They they did play very well. Mm. But to me, you could also say, okay, like let's not just okay. Now they are the best defense in the league because they also stopped mm. Mahomes. I, I, I still don't buy that personally. Um, and obviously. That I think the fact that they are the best defense in the league is is being written into this line. Um, you know, five and a half six at Tennessee. Like that's you know that's that's about as high as you could possibly buy on the Bills here. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the offense suddenly fixed itself. Like, what was that? Just because the Chiefs had zero good pass rushes on the field. You know, I think Josh Allen when he was throwing these these long passes, he had four seconds in the pocket on occasion. Um, now. The Titans obviously don't have much of a pass rush either, but you you would hope they could offer a, a bit more opposition there. Um, so to me, I, I could only play the Titans at plus six. I, I I I don't think you can possibly bet the Bills at this this number really, even if they do have you know some some nice matchups. Um, so yeah, I, I think it probably will go back to six, and I might have a small tickle again. Yeah, there is one six still available out there. Um, there's also a 54 and a half available. Steven, I'm actually slightly interested in the under in this one. Uh, listen, the one thing that I think that the the Titans have shown us no matter what, win, lose, doesn't really, they're winning, they're losing, but they're, they're going to feed Derrick Henry. Like he is just going to get carries every single game and he is going to, and for however they do it, no, even though teams know exactly what's coming, he still gets his every single week as well. And so I, I kind of look at this and say, all right, what's going to really change the game plan here? And, and, and aren't you possibly trying to, if, if you truly believe in this Bills offense, aren't you trying to play keep away at least a little bit and not give the ball back to them rapidly and things like that? And so, I actually think 54 and a half might be a little bit stout here in this one. I kind of do have a lean towards the under. What's your take on this one? Kind of agree with everything both of you have said, to be honest with you. Um, I will say that our lead writer, Eli Hershkovich, in his underdogs column over at thelines.com right now agrees very much with everything Brad said. He is looking to potentially take the points with the Titans in this game. Just like Brad, the six are better here. So uh, you can go on the website and read why he he thinks that way as well. But, you know, if, if you want to see one of the weirdest box scores ever from a game, go back to this Titans-Bills game from last year. And if you don't remember, this was one of those Tuesday night COVID games. And the Titans, you know, were playing a Bills team that were playing their third road game in in four weeks. The Titans did not win the yards per play battle. They were minus 0.2 net yards per rush. Derrick Henry only had three yards per carry. And the Titans won 42 to 16. Like, explain that one. So uh, ultimately, 10 Buffalo turnovers and plus three or 10 Buffalo penalties and and plus three on the turnovers was the difference. So uh, I go back to that example with turnovers and flukiness and an outcome Mm -hmm. to go back to just last week in the turnovers and possible flukiness with that Buffalo Kansas city game. So uh, I agree with what you guys said that, you know, this is potentially a buy low spot here for the Titans. I still don't think the bills lose though. So I I actually use this as a teaser leg and Mm -hmm. I'm happy to get the bills as a pick them in this game. 
Yeah, I mean, the the Titans defense has certainly left a lot to be desired. And, you know, if if there is another get right spot, maybe for this Buffalo offense, it could be maybe against this Titans defense that has shown pretty, you know, a, a very little resistance so far to a lot of their opponents. But um, yeah, I am, uh, if anything, I kind of lean towards Tennessee here. I would like to get a better number, I think. And listen, everybody was all over. Everybody was all over the bills last week. So maybe the bills draw a little bit more money this week as well. The closer we get to the game and, and we do get that number that we're looking and hopefully for. We get Julio Jones, by the way, that's, that's kind of a big deal for me. Like I would, mm-hmm. I really would love to see Julio Jones back. If we're going to, if we're going to take the points here with Tennessee. Yeah. If, yeah, if we're going to, if we're going to back the Titans, we certainly want Julio Jones out there. Guys, everything we do, absolutely free over on the lines and play picks. Be sure to head over there, taking all the great written content. Steven and team are getting going over there. Uh, of course, we'd love if you're watching this on YouTube for you to go ahead and hit that subscribe button and uh, give us a thumbs up. And then let us know in the comment section, what, what game's your favorite game of the week? Who are you playing? What is, uh, what's your bet of the week? All the different things like that. We're very interested in that stuff as well. If you want to follow Brad on Twitter at Brad Allen NFL, you want to follow Steven at Steven Anderson. You want to follow me at Matt Brown M two for Steven for Brad. I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week. Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem. Call one 800 522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. In Tennessee, call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. 